0: The Crude Life every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.
1: If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar, a hillbilly singing about a honky town bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough, and brother, it ain't country no. Welcome to
2: the Crude Life podcast. My name is Jason Speece the North Dakota Nomad, the Shale Play Prophet, coming to you from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Provolone, our entitled intern, is manning the production elements of this particular podcast. Also, coming up a little later on the program, Terry Edom will join us on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines with an update from Canada, how the oil and gas industry is doing. Terry Edom, of course, is the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. He's a writer for the BOE Report, and he also has a blog uh, what's it called? Public Energy Number One. Whew, public That guy is the man, the myth, the legend. Actually, I call him the author, the writer, the blogger, instead of the man, the myth, the legend, because he's a very intelligent man who really knows the energy industry inside and out, and we love to have him on the program. Like I said, his book is available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble if you want to buy yourself a copy. In fact, we'll link it up on our website, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. That way, if anybody would like to purchase it and help out Mr. Terry Edom, they can certainly do that. All right, what else we got coming up on our Let's see, what what do we call that again? Our daily radio update on the podcast, right? Because we do a daily update for about 25 radio stations, so we might as well put it here on our podcast. Brandon Davis with Swan Energy is our guest on our daily radio update here on the podcast. He explains why retail will be the first industry hit hard with the COVID-19 shutdown and why more people are going to be going to social media than ever, so... Check that out a little bit later in the program Headlines coming up We also, we might have a sponsor in line for headlines They're so popular Our popular headlines are going to be validated, folks I'm going to will that right now Provolone, we might get you paid yet We you, you know what? This is what it's all about, living the crude life For a while there, you got to maybe do, you know Do some free labor Unfortunately, that's the way the crude life works because you got to prove yourself. And that's what we try to do with the crude life is, you know what, let's let's show people how we can make things happen. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm, boy, he called me one day. He said, I got a call out of the blue from a guy near Tioga, Tioga, North Dakota, heard it on the radio station. They called him. I mean, so it what didn't happen online. It didn't happen through the magazine. It didn't happen through a podcast. It happened through the radio. Because we never know how people are getting their content today. And now, oh, how are people getting their content? Okay, they're at home. How many people right now are working with their television on? How many people are working with radio on? How many people are working with a podcast on? How many people are working with Netflix on? How many people are working with Amazon Prime? How many people are working with Hulu? How are you reaching people? The point is, you need to have the content in order to reach people. And that's what we're doing at The Crude Life. And folks, we are the voice of the voiceless. Right now, everything needs to be on the table. We cannot get into this bickering and fighting and this type of thing. I've been trying to say that in energy, but now we can't with the coronavirus. Really what I think people should understand, first and foremost, when it comes to this coronavirus, when it comes to the energy world and when it comes to just life itself, your level of panic is going to be relative to your circumstance. In my backyard, Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota Timberwolves, his, his mother, I believe, or grandmother, I believe, is having, she's like on her deathbed because of this coronavirus. So he's tweeting out there, hey, let's get serious, folks. His level of panic went up. They talk about how the millennials don't care and they're partying and spring breaking and whatever the generation after the millennials are and everything. Well, that's not necessarily true. That's irresponsible reporting. Now, some are, but your level of panic is relative to your circumstance. I created a home office a number of years ago. I had some, during the last downturn, I had my own personal downturn between my my, uh, relationship and also my health. And I'm a single father. So I had to have a home office. It's kind of like I remember back in 2010 and 11 and 12 and that sort of thing when a lot of this was first going. Uh, a lot of the, the the different entrepreneurs were starting out. And I, re- I just remember sleeping in my vehicle so many nights. So many nights sleeping in my vehicle. And um, kind of reminds me of that right now where you got to pull up your bootstraps a little bit and think outside the box And one of the ways that we're doing that is we are becoming a voice of the voiceless because, folks, I got news for you. Everything's on the table. That doesn't mean that we're going to act on it. That doesn't mean that we endorse it. But when I'm starting to see headlines about nationalizing oil, we need to have a conversation why not to do that, at least from my perspective. Or if you're going to do it, let's hear something to satisfy my qualms and my my. My fear is because that scares the bejeebers out of me. Honestly, to me, the oil and gas industry is the last bastion for capitalism. Every other industry is subsidized to the nines. Reality check, folks. Every other industry is subsidized to the nines. Go and check out all your new entrepreneurs in your town and you'll find out that they get more local tax dollars and state tax dollars and things like that, you would be shocked. When you think about the the green industry and they talk about wind and solar not being able to make it if they didn't get subsidized, there's a lot of industries out there that it's the same way. When you take a look at what the oil and gas industry has done, aka mining industry, it's carried the economy for a decade. For a decade, it's carried the economy. True story, even during the downturn, you're darn right it did. North Dakota, Texas, they were pumping out oil, carrying the rest of the states. Utah was starting to make a little percolation going with business and centered around the oil and gas activity. Oh, things were humming along. All right. I I—I need to take a step back because Provolone just took a step back. And when that happens, I, I understand that I'm on my soapbox. And when I'm on my soapbox... I got to take a step back, folks, because sometimes I can get a little passionate, a little heated. Well, when you sleep in your vehicle for nights because of your business that you believe in and you're a single father and you're trying to make things work and you got 15 balls juggling in the air and you got a seatbelt wedged in your back and trying to figure out if the cops are going to let you sleep in Walmart for a night or not. Man, that's some. That's real life. That's real life. And I know many of you right now are shaking your head saying, yeah, I remember those days. And a lot of you, you think I'm nuts. You think I'm crazy. But guess what? The ones with passion always are, always are. That's why we do a daily podcast. That's why we do a weekly radio show. That's why we do monthly magazine articles. We do it to create the content to tell the story for the industry. And we're not going to change. we're not going to change. Not at all. Not when I get emails calling me the shale play profit. Not when I know I'm a North Dakota nomad. Not when I understand that the people that come on this program are newsmakers and are decision makers. Plus energy enthusiasts, which I love. I love the energy enthusiasts. They kind of keep it going. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the decision makers love this program is because they understand that the energy industry, the oil and gas industry is from the CEO down to the cafe owner with the trucker and the midstream and the upstream and the salmon stream all in between. And that's what we do here at The Crude Life, man, because live in the crude life. By the way, any rubes left in the cubes? Are you all back in your home office now? Because that's really the question of the day. Are you in your home office or are you a rube in a cube So what else do we got going today? We've got headlines. Like I said, we almost got a sponsor here, it sounds like, for our headlines. So hopefully next week we'll be able to say headlines sponsored by, I better get my voice guy too. He probably needs some money. So hopefully if we can get a sponsor, then we can turn around and give the voice guy some money too. So that way he can go buy some groceries. See, that's the way the economy trickles down in the energy industry. People are finding out that they like the headlines which are very basic. We just read the headline, two paragraphs, make our assessment and move on because that's what the average person does in today's world. And it gives us a chance to have a conversation about the industry. And that's been popular enough to where we've gotten some inquiries about how do we sponsor that? Well, do you know what? We didn't have a sponsor, but now we will because that's the way capitalism works. There is a demand. Somebody wanted to attach themselves to it. So, hey, we'll create it. What's the value? Well, we think it's this. Well, we think it's this. Well, show us. Well, here you go. Well, okay then. We didn't think right. Well, we didn't either. Maybe we should add another zero. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. Okay. That's how converse, that's how they go sometimes, you know? you, you the, the reason it's a demand it is because sometimes you're just so busy, you can't see what you're offering to everybody. And that's why, obviously, you start with the basics and you go back to the basics. You stick with customer service. You stick with kindness. You stick with the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd want done unto you. And hopefully, that will have enough of a a positive ripple and impact that it'll percolate through and you'll be able to create your own ecosystem. And sometimes it takes a while. I would say it took us five years, three years probably to do this little ecosystem that we have going. It It takes a while. And we're going against the grain. And now, you know, there's a lot of advantages here because like I said, everybody's at home now. Most people are at home. In fact, it might be mandated by the end of this podcast. That's how quickly of times we live in. Now people will say, oh, well, great. No, the the marketplace, the internet is flooded right now with people trying to do things. So you got to set yourself apart. And the only way that I know that I can set myself apart from the other podcasts like Ron Burgundy is to just be truthful and honest. And you know what? Like we say, everything's on the table right now because I don't want to have a closed-minded podcast. I don't want to have somebody say, oh, well, he, he only shills for this or shills for that. No, shill for the decency of humankind. Hashtag we are energy united. I said that a few times. I don't know why. It's just been sticking in my head lately. We should probably do something with that energy united thing a little bit. We are energy united because we need to be. Because the esoteric energy approach is working, folks. It is working. Hashtag the crude life. Hashtag we are energy united. I heard a podcast saying hashtag every other word. So Provolone says I need to add hashtags more. Provolone, our producer, our entitled producer here intern sorry look at that i just gave you a promotion i just promoted you verbally there's no there's no monetary promotion to come with that but look at that i just called your producer wow boy you catch me in a moment and then then see i i just got done talking about the truth and how we're not gonna lie and everything else and being authentic and you know i couldn't even joke with you anymore calling you the entitled intern in fact I, i called your producer gosh darn it jokes on me today jokes on me today all right let's keep going folks i want to get to our sponsor today's sponsor here at the crude life we do daily sponsors and it's people who sponsor our platform and we appreciate it very much because it gives us an opportunity to have a conversation for the industry it gives us an opportunity to let you know who's still in business who's still working out there who's wanting your phone calls and most importantly It is the men and women out in the field that keep our lights turned on. Now, you know, granted, the sponsors keep our lights on and everything like that, but most people believe it's just the flick of the switch. No, it's the men and women out there, just like the ones at Absolute Energy Field Products and Services, what they do for the oil and gas industry. Now, Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment refining and petrochemical processing equipment so you've got gas production equipment refining and petrochemical processing equipment they manufacture the equipment with the highest standards per asme boiler and pressure vessel code section 8 division 1 and can be designed fabricated and tested with accordance with nace standards that's n-a-c-e for those of you out there saying what's nace More information can be found at AbsoluteEnergyField.com. That's AbsoluteEnergyField.com. Also, folks, the links are available at the Crude Life Show page. Now, we've had some upsets in the March Madness Tournament. A number one seed went down. It was two? Two number one seeds went down. And a number two seed went down, I believe, too. So we've had a couple upsets. And the bracket is available at life.com on our show page. Of course, it's all over social media. We have videos, of course, of it. Next, we're going to do our social media moment here where we've got Facebook pages. We've got Bakken, Neagleford, Brer, Chalk, Marcellus. We've got LinkedIn, YouTubes, all kinds of social media activity happening every day. And we got comments happening. We got likes and follows and shares and Emails coming in, all kinds of different things. So from time to time, we like to check in on our social media accounts and see what's kind of going on here. And we had a post that was Kevin Kramer, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, delivering remarks on the floor, a very passionate speech. Well, on our Eagleford, Texas page, Andy Pat writes, Read the bailout clauses and the unwillingness to extend unemployment and the pay correction within unemployment, and the fact that they don't want to help nursing homes, crisis centers, and people on the cusp. I'm a lifelong Republican until Trump, and have given mine life to the oil patch. I'm a vet, have an 80 plus yo mother, and mother-in-law. Seriously? Greed is the main issue here, and killing off those SSD, vets, Medicare, etc. Get your hands out Get your heads out of each other's butts. Yes, this is serious. The taxpayers need help, not the corporations. That's from Andy Pat from our Eagleford, Texas, Facebook page. Over on LinkedIn, Frederick Pearson, he's a journeyman. So grateful that our founding fathers didn't have blind faith in King George's leadership. Monty Bessler on LinkedIn with Frackinator Consulting said, I'm actually glad this grossly oversized pork package never passed. They need to return the original idea of a tax break, not another entitlement handout. Let me keep my own income rather than trusting the government to know best what to do with it. We need trillions of dollars of additional debt, like we need more toilet paper and hand sanitizer. That's from Monty Bessler, Frackinator Consulting. Folks, if you'd like to be part of the discussion, it continues on beyond the podcast. It goes into radio shows. It goes into magazine articles. It goes into social media posts. It is an ecosystem of activity just like today. Eagleford, Texas, LinkedIn, YouTube. We've got all kinds of social media activity going. You never know how you're gonna get your content today. I mean, Steve Harvey's giving us news at the gas pump. So you know what? It's best just to be a part of the conversation. Take control of the conversation just like the folks did here on our social media moment at The Crude Life. By the way, all of those links and comments are available at the Along with the Earth's Champion, Johnny Green's Eco Watch, Planet Service announcement, and much, much more. This is Blind Joe. You're listening to as part of our music crossover, the crude life music crossover. Blind Joe was a finalist on the voice. He made it to like the eight, I think. Blake Shelton really enjoyed Blind Joe's old country soul. And I'll tell you what, folks, he really is blind. And he's a, he's a great individual. So if you could support his music, he's been a great supporter of ours. Plays all over the country, mostly in the upper Midwest. But Blind Joe is our crossover music this month. So we, the links are available at thecrudelife.com. We're gonna take a brief pause. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. We come back. Terry Edom is gonna join us here on The Crude Life. My name is Jason Spies. This is The Crude Life podcast. Provolone is our production podcast. Intern Manning the Elements See, I can't do it, Provo, and you got to be the entitled Intern Manning the Production Elements Otherwise, it just doesn't flow Maybe we'll wordsmith that while I take my coffee sip break Folks, we'll be back in 30, 60 seconds Enjoy a little Blind Joe as we take you into your coffee sip
1: break Well, dreams come true, and I know they do And I can feel the music down in my soul You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe
3: Historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
1: I am all in jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. And you'll hear me say from a mile away that I'm the luckiest man I know. You better make a little room at the top for a regular joke.
2: Welcome back to the hey, Crude Man, Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees, the North Dakota nomad, the shale play prophet, coming to you from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of this podcast, which some have dubbed the voice of the voiceless, because right now all topics are on the table as we are really having a discussion about anything and everything because we're not sure which way the globe is going to go here it almost seems like there's a global movement happening with a global shutdown so it's very interesting as what some of the topics we're reading in the news headlines popping up in the wall street journal popping up in reuters popping up in cnn you know some some of these news networks that a lot of people consider to be you know somewhat of a trusting voice You know, And here's the thing, by the way, people can dog on Fox News all they want about uh, fair and balanced and some of their slogans and everything like that. Well, they all have them. They all do. CNN does not give me all the news I need to know, whatever their slogan was, all the news you need. That's what I think their slogan was for a long time. So it's all marketing, folks. It's all marketing. And People can get get upset about Roger Ailes and Fox News all day long, but what he did actually was figure out a way to profit on the news. And I almost wish that would have been the approach and maybe changed the news as more of an opinion-based and then have a select part of the news that's based on that because there's there's this blurry line that seems to happen. And Pro and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we, we missed we missed headlines. I got so excited about the potential of a sponsor that we didn't even do our headlines. And uh, Terry Edom has just emailed me, so he's going to be calling in any minute. So I'd like to do the headlines, but under three minutes. So they're going to be pretty quick today because I want to get to Terry Edom to find out what's going on in Canada. Uh, a lot, I, I'm very curious, to be honest, because before the coronavirus hit, a lot of Canadian companies were coming down to the U.S. to define business. And now with the state of affairs, I just am curious what's going on in Canada. Of course, they have that east-west thing, which the eastern side doesn't understand what the west is doing, and it's it's um it's a kerfuffle. They're very environmental there. Very, I mean, the Queen. It's the Queen's land. You're just you're just normalizing it. Okay, what do we got today? Headlines, headlines, headlines. Let's see what we got here. Our first headline comes to us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Is Mariner East Pipeline Project essential? That's unclear as Governor Wolf shuts down businesses. Pennsylvania has shut down highway projects because of the coronavirus emergency, but state regulators on Thursday rebuffed calls to halt construction of the contentious Mariner East Pipeline Project. The Pennsylvania Public Utility Commission declined to interrupt construction of the pipeline expansion project which transports natural gas liquids such as propane from the Marcellus Shale region across Pennsylvania to a terminal in Marcus Hook. The PUC in a statement said that the project was exempt from Governor Tom Wolf's order Monday to shut down non-essential activity. Okay well honestly folks to me this is pretty cut and dry. Last time I checked pipelines are critical infrastructure. You need natural gas in order to power much of the United States and the grid, as well as a lot of these electric vehicles and everything else they've been touting. So without natural gas right now, the country ain't moving too well. So if you want your hospitals kept open, you get the pipelines going. That's, there you go. It's pretty cut and dry, folks. And okay, let's see. It is actually critical infrastructure. So if you go to the feds, they're gonna tell you pipelines are critical infrastructure. If you go to anybody who works in the energy industry, they'll tell you that natural gas is needed in about every single different thing. In the coal industry, natural gas is needed. In the wind energy uh, world, natural gas is needed. In the solar energy world, you actually need natural gas. So anything that you need to do right now, it's either a bridge, I call it a foundation. It's a foundation fuel. I mean, people were calling it a bridge fuel. Uh Uh-uh, foundation fuel. So, all right, what do we got next year? New Mexico. Boy, we get a lot from the Carlsbad current Argus. They do a good job of following the oil and gas industry. More New Mexico public land is to be leased to oil and gas industry as market collapses. Boy, that's that's a roller coaster of a headline. (laughs) Holy smokes. It started out with such good news, and then it ends with as industry collapses. Okay, let's read the first couple paragraphs here. Opposition to a sale of public land to the oil and gas industry could be voiced and entered into official record for the next week as the Federal Bureau of Land Management opened a protest period Monday for a quarterly lease sale scheduled in May. The sale of the public federal land offered in Edie, Lee and Chaves Counties and Wise County, Texas was planned for May 20th, to 21st with protests accepted from march 23rd to april 1st so it appears that they're going to auction off some land that's a good thing but boy they really went into the making sure people knew that they could protest i can't i mean i'm looking at that and that's a little bit odd and now that i'm just kind of scrolling down and i'm looking at people that they're interviewing here let's see okay it's going to be air pollutants and that okay this and environmental gas what what is this? This is frac focus water use. Okay, so this is a really long story and it is not very favorable to oil and gas. And I didn't get that from the headline at all. Holy smokes. So, I would invite you folks to check that out. It's I mean, it's basically basically the reporter is doing the job for the activist Because I'm not really seeing anybody from the oil and gas industry interviewed here. They're just interviewing all kinds of people that would not want this to happen. And it's a long story. That's what we're up against here. I mean, think about that. A lot of these activists probably weren't even aware of this. And then you get a reporter that's doing the work for them. Like I said, I don't see anybody else from the energy industry really interviewed in this, so check it out for yourself, folks. All right, we're going to get to the last one, and then Terry Edom's coming in here. Canadian IOC member Dick Pound expects postponement, Olympic postponement. Provolone, stop it, stop it. I know this is a big deal, but um, you can't be. Oh, I fell for it again, but. Veteran International Olympic Committee member Dick Pound of Montreal believes the 2020 Tokyo Games will be postponed. Pound told the Canadian press in a phone interview he expects July 24th to start the Olympics to be pushed back. I'm fairly certain that no one's ever going to remember anything to do with the Olympics after a guy running the committee's name is Dick Pound. Let's just hope that nobody remembers what a phone book is and how people used to read the phone book. All right, let's get to Terry Edom, okay? I would like to end headlines with that. We'll probably lose our sponsor, Provolone, after your Dick Pound story. But that is his name, Richard Pound. All right, let's get to Terry Edom, folks. The man, the author, the blogger, the writer, the all kinds of different things when it comes to energy content. Public energy, number one. The B O E report and the author of the end of the fossil fuel insanity, Provolone's giving me the thumbs up. So let's let's patch him through, Provolone, and uh, you know, do the mic level check on the fly thing.
4: Hello, it's Terry Edom here, author of the end of fossil fuel insanity.
2: Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. Of course, we wanted to get an update north of the border, up in Canada, our international brother in there. Uh, what's happening up there with the uh, COVID nineteen? Is uh, is is it the shutdown like it is here in America?
4: Well, for an indication, I'm sitting in my storage room in my makeshift home office. So that's about what the country's like. That's a good metaphor for the country: locked down, depressed, still cold out, gray and snowy. So it, there's there's nothing bright on the horizon here. Yeah, particularly in the energy sector with the oil price crashing and, and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably probably as bad as down there.
2: Well, what's happening with the energy sector? Last we checked, uh, it's certainly a lot of uh, the environmental movement was uh, standing right. in, in the way of quite a bit. It was infiltrating much of the political parties uh, last we spoke. Right. G- give us an update in Canada where the oil and gas sector is here. You know, what are we, three days into springtime?
4: No, really it's hard to believe I haven't seen it yet uh, it's it's well I guess if there's one good thing that came out of this um, the coronavirus thing it's hard to imagine that but um, the the environmental movement or, or I shouldn't say the environmental movement the, the environmental movement is the are the good guys the climate change guys have been silenced for a while because people are actually realizing hey it's kind of important that we have supply chains and it's kind of important that we have fuel to, to bring us our food and it's kind of important that farmers can grow crops with that diesel. So uh, it's starting to sink in where all the stuff comes from a little bit. Now, they'll come back out of the woodwork, I'm sure, afterwards. But as far as Canada's political climate, it's, it, everything's been kind of trumped by the um, the coronavirus. We've, we've gone into full, pretty much full lockdown across the country. People are working from home and uh, in the energy sector. We've just been so beaten down that there's empty buildings downtown all over anyway. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, very dark days. Uh, and like I so said, probably not that much different than you, except that we were more advanced on the environmental front before this all came crashing down. So.
2: What's going on with your economy up there? I mean, you guys have a lot more of a socialized economy than we do here in the United States. Uh, are, is there any sort of assistance, or does anybody worried about it, I guess? or does? You, oh, I mean, well, I, I don't know. Do, do you, you guys get loonies in the mail every day? <laughs>
4: They're coming soon. Um, I, I avoid politics like the plague because, like you say, we have more of a, a socialist bent up here, and we have a, a minority government, which means that there's um, the the prime minister doesn't have a majority in the House of Commons, so he's uh, he has to work with other parties. And unfortunately, the other parties he has to work with to maintain his um, his his platform and his programs are the greener ones, so it's even worse. So, so that yeah legislatively we're they're 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 putting bailout programs in um but we've we have just notoriously weak leadership in 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 the country here now and there is we've been dragging our feet putting uh, policies in place and just uh catering to the lowest common denominator it seems like just trying to keep everyone happy but you can't make everyone happy We, we need a leader at this in times like this you need someone to make Decisive action and explain why you're getting ahead, and we don't have that up here. So, and if he is a leader, he's more likely to. Um, well, to give you an example of what kind of leader we have, and when this coronavirus crisis started breaking uh, about a month ago, um, he was, uh, and there was another crisis where we were having our railways blockaded by, by climate activists, which which crippled our economy before the coronavirus even got here, and our our prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, was campaigning through Africa for a seat on the UN Security Council. That's where he was spending his days, really? handing out money, believe this or not, handing out money to countries in Africa to enhance their development programs, some of which included oil and gas. You, you cannot make this stuff up. So we're, we're just so um, beaten down by our politicians here that it's just background noise now.
2: How about the, the rest of the the you know the, the schools? The bars, the nightclubs. I guess I haven't really looked at what's going on in Canada, uh, in, in America. Yeah. You know, we've got states that are shutting down. Uh, most of the schools, I think all but one or two state schools have been shut down for the most part. How how are you guys handling that?
4: I, I think it's the exact parallel. We're, we're, we, I think we, the the real people run our world here, very similar to the way it is across the border. Yeah, bars are shut down and and. A lot of uh, most shopping is shut down. Um, people are are working at home wherever possible, and the um, the supply chains thankfully are, are still moving things around. Except toilet paper, no one could find toilet paper. I don't know what it's like down there, but same thing. Th- th- that's the, the weirdest thing <laughs> of this whole scenario. Uh, so yeah, it's it's very similar. We've and, and you're, you're, it's exactly the same in the way it's being administered too. We've had a patchwork thing where the provinces some have leapt ahead of others. Some have, um, some were um, had, big closures or border closures almost before others did, or they were doing better screening, and um, and others are still just like in California. I saw in the news the other day where they're still chasing people off the beaches, and we'd still have that same problem in Vancouver the day before yesterday, where there were people were still congregating outside. And whether whether that's the best strategy to deal with this, I don't know. I think it's a bit. There's a tug of order war there. How, do you risk destroying your entire economy to corral us quickly? Um, and and as, I I don't cut anybody any slack. Or I'm not pointing any fingers because I don't know what I would do in in their shoes either. It's it's a really tough thing to do. But but it does look like we are going down that path. That we're the lockdowns are the the root, chosen route. So I think we just have to batten down the hatches and see what happens.
2: Do you see a exit strategy for this? this at all i mean because the i all i see is a, a, a an economy that's just going to be extremely broken and oh, it it it'll come huh? back in in something like we've never seen before and it, it it'll get fixed it'll get fixed don't get me wrong it'll yeah, get fixed but but it, it's going to be so broken different. that i i'm not even hmm. sure how it'll get fixed
4: I, I agree. I just, it's just like, a, it's like looking into fog. I guess if there's one bright light is that if you look at China, where they've taken their, um, their easing back a little bit, like their, I saw a report saying that their coal consumption is climbing back up again to not that far off year ago level, so their industry is getting rolling again. And um, so that, that's one ray of hope that they will kind of get back to that Um, that their economy can get back to some sort of at least find the bottom. So I'm hoping that if we do this lockdown quickly here, then we can get back to some sort of, or at least find the bottom and then start gradually reintroducing normal society. But I think, like you said, the the repercussions of this are going to be enormous and probably more so globally or for um, uh, tourist destinations and that sort of thing, because I think that's going to be the last to recover. There'll be our supply chains have to keep going or, or, where it's all over for everyone so we know that's going to happen governments well governments there's no government layoffs that i've seen yet um the healthcare, work all of that will keep going the government just looks like they're going to turn up the printing presses to find ways to pay for the emergency things the, the how, how they unwind the um, people defaulting on mortgages or not paying their rent or that those chain reactions i think that's going to be the biggest problem for us but i think there's going to be a lot of second and third order, um, issues around the world for like any tourist destination. Who's going to, they there, if you take, pick a Caribbean Island that, that lives off tourism, what's going to happen when there's no cruise ships for eight months or no planes or whatever. So mm-hmm. those, those are the ones that I think that are going to be really severely impacted.
2: Take Maui, take Hawaii. I mean,
4: yeah, Hawaii, exactly. Well, yeah, outside, right. outside
2: of the coast guard, you don't really have anything there except tourism,
4: except tourism. So and it's all built on tourism, and everyone's income is mm-hmm. from tourism, and, and it's it's going to be. Uh, and it's the a government. The, I don't, thank heavens there are no big socialists in power, especially in, in the United States. But a government can't replace this. They can't print enough money to to fill everyone's jeans to the extent that they were before. It just doesn't work that way. So they'll they'll get enough peop, money into people's hands to um, to keep them going, but but at this, the order of magnitude of these things, people are talking about a 30% unemployment rate. Like that's,
2: well, that's what I mean. Right now, I, some of the things that are being bantered about are, are are kind of very questionable to me, but then I think, you know what, we really are living in a time where everything is on the table and nobody should be really judging any bad idea. Doesn't mean you got to accept it and you got to go with it, but right now it just yeah. seems like every idea should be on the table for at least a second or two and i i think so yeah. um you do do you, do you get news headlines you know emailed to you that sort of thing do you follow that do you do you go search it or are you more of just you know you you, you just produce it and that's it
4: <laughs> well i i do scan the headlines there's a few reputable sources that haven't been too overcome with the climate change disease that i will still frequent sure um um is the best one i I find okay
2: let me ask you this question because i i usually do you know at least a daily or every other day search for you know oil and gas across the globe and then Mm -hmm. i'll even i'll even pinpoint it down to some shale plays occasionally and that sort of thing i'm seeing this i do that similar yeah i'm seeing this conversation about nationalizing oil coming up a little bit too much for my liking and you know you being in 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 canada where you guys are halfway there already? What the heck? Are you seeing this more too?
4: No, we haven't seen that yet. Um, okay, there is there, there's a tension in Canada here, the West versus the East. Most of the population in Canada is in Eastern Canada or, or Central Canada, I guess, the Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton corridor, very very close to the to the big uh, population center in the U.S. The West is relatively unpopulated and but has all the resources, and so th- this has been going on since canada was formed um this tension and now it's just coming to more to a head and alberta in the west and not just alberta but the west is quite petroleum rich and 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 it's um fed the rest of the country hundreds of billions of dollars in taxes and payments throughout the 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 history of the oil patch here and so but but with the the way the environmental movement has gone um in the urban centers, especially where they've been attacking fossil fuel companies, hydrocarbon companies, and and almost trying to push us out of push us out of existence, there's a huge backlash against this in, in in the western Canada here, the oil producing region. And there's a huge actually a separatist movement from Canada that's that's bulking up. A lot of people just said we're out. We don't want it. We're not sending our money there anymore. To the people that don't want it. To people that are trying to kill our industries. So that's actually gaining a lot of momentum out west here, and that, I think that's rattled the, the eastern elite quite a bit because they're. Um, I, so I think that the talk of nationalizing the oil companies would would be seen as such an attack on Alberta that they would vote to separate, maybe come join you down there in uh, within six months. I think that would happen. So they're they're a little bit more tentative to even throw out ideas like that i think in canada now it seems unbelievable that it's even being considered in the home of free enterprise
2: but oh i've seen it come up a few times in these these opinion yeah. pieces you know and and uh it started la- actually last november is when i started seeing them come up mm-hmm. and when you know the uh, as as a different angle for the fracking fracking because that's part of it is oh, yeah. is that the yeah the oil yeah would be nationalized and then part of that would they get rid of fracking right so now of course they're spinning it to the bailout way instead of just bailout. let's just you know nationalize it and it's 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 a little trick and sleight of hand being done by those people that were having that conversation so um i just wanted to point that out first of all but secondly um i don't know if you and i have ever had this conversation before and the reason i did bring it up is I'm just, you know, I, when I look at all the industries out there, from technology, whether it be the drones to, you know, uh, fi- optics or or even the the placement of uh, optics with internet and that sort of thing, um, right? It's it is they're they're pretty he- heavily subsidized. You know, a lot of the industries are heavily subsidized. Oh, yeah. But when I look at the oil and gas industry, they're heavily taxed. They're not subsidized. They're heavily taxed, mm-hmm. and they're about the last bastion for capitalism that's left out there in the marketplace that is not you know, some sort of unfairness with subsidies here and this and that. I mean, agriculture has been doing it for a long time. Um, right. What do you make of that a little bit? You know, you living up there in Canada, taking a look at the United States with what we've got rolling. You've seen the headlines where they're trying to, talk about bailing out the industry. Thank goodness for Mike Summers coming out right away. Knee jerk reaction. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. With the API. That was so funny. I mean, he Uh, said, he said no to the bailout without even checking with anybody. I mean, I didn't even know about the story and he was already quoting saying no and that, but that, that's the way the industry has been forever. That absolutely not. No subsidies, no bailouts. But they keep having that conversation, right. so just anyway, do you see what well, I mean? Where this is, it's just unusual conversations for the industry.
4: Well, it kind of is, but it depends if you're looking in the right places. And like I said, one reason I don't look at the news is that, so. There, for example, there was a, a huge tidal wave of stories that came through here about the, over the past year about how heavily the fossil fuel industry is subsidized. And, and it's, it runs counter to what you're saying, but it's, it's like it, it's, it's been popping up in our news for quite a while here that Canada's um, fossil fuel industry is subsidized to the tune of $50 billion a year, and globally, it's subsidized by $4 trillion a year. So I, I tracked that document down, and it comes out of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and, and then they just spin out all of these stories to all of the, the climate activists, and they're, they're just trying to paint the oil and gas industry with this bat, brush that it's, survives on government subsidies. And, and there's a, a great guy, uh, I think he's an American guy, w- what's up with that? He's called, I think, the website. And um, it's either that or a guy in British Columbia uh, called the chemist in Langley, one of the two anyways, did a dissection of what they call fossil fuel subsidies. And it's it's this typical academic uh, theorizing one of the largest components of what they deem to be a fossil fuel subsidy, which in Canada they, they pinned a label of on of like or a number of twelve to fifteen billion dollars a year or something, was um, that the amount of time lost in traffic when people are stuck in traffic and they call that a fossil fuel subsidy. So and then that gets rolled into these academic studies and it gets spread out to the world, like look at all of the big fossil fuel subsidies to the to the fossil fuel industry. That we have to stop them. And it's, it's this level of ignorance, which is what got me into writing, and it's just astonishing. And you have the people that are talking about nationalizing oil companies and, and, and the subsidy argument, and maybe you don't see it down there that much, but it exists globally, and it's very big and, and believed in Europe. These are the same people that under underpin ideas like the Green New Deal, which just have no no grounds of reality whatsoever like they don't smell pass any acid test for a sanity check of actually paying for something they're just fantasies and, and it's all part of the same machine which is like I said takes over the news so the the fossil subsidies angle of what you're talking about I agree and, and I think that um, for the, in the history of petroleum development um, big oil companies or all companies were, were invited into countries around the world to develop petroleum reserves government said we need your expertise to come develop our 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 petroleum and we can have a higher standard of living with that so so that that's how it's gone forever until governments now turned against them um so you're right we're very much on our own now we're we're taxed our tax shelters are being eroded the the incentives that used to be there are gone and we we just pay a flat-out tax well look at the consumption taxes that are on a gallon of gasoline Uh, How much of that is tax, in in any jurisdiction? So, uh, you're right, and and that people don't think there's people just don't understand these arguments when they talk about these things. If if you even talking about moving to electric vehicles, let's say that happened. Well, what what where does all the tax revenue come from from all that gas uh, gasoline taxes? What would replace that? Would you slap that onto electricity and then make them outrageously expensive too, or? Anyways, there's there's the theory which dominates the news stream, which is green and feel-goody, and then when you actually, when the rubber hits the road, like, no one has any idea how to do it. So,
2: I think what you you said early on is one of the most important things that was kind of lost on me, I guess, you know, in terms of shining a light on the awareness that, the, the supply chain and, and and the need for oil and gas has has created during this COVID nineteen coronavirus and even the governor of Colorado in in one of his briefings he had to basically uh, pat the, the industry on the back because they're they're able to you know allow this stuff to happen you know for for healthcare right. reasons it,
4: it, yeah and it's uh it, it's just unavoidable that I mean, it's it, when people can dodge it um, all they want, and they can say we don't need fossil fuels. Um, and I, I'm really hating that term now, anyways. I'm starting to use hydrocarbons because it's more accurate.
2: Ooh, I um, like that. I'm switching that too.
4: <laughs> I, I'm done with fossil fuels. Uh, so it, it's easy for people to dismiss them when they take it all for granted, and it's always there because of our market economy. It, it always will be there. That's just how how it works. We don't. We're not Putin. We're not gonna. We don't shut, turn off the valve to Europe in the middle of winter and deny them natural gas. That's not how a market economy works. There's nowhere in the United States or Canada where, where any business is going to voluntarily shut in a pipeline to prove a point to someone. It, we just don't do that. And so all these people know that, and they can say, "We, well, man, yeah, we don't need. I don't. I don't care if I get your oil or not." But because they know we won't stop the flow of it, but now they actually see, "Oh well. Oh wait a minute. Maybe." If I had to live without it, what would life look like? Well, not very good. So having said that, th- th- I think the light will go on for a lot of people that, that aren't, don't really think about energy that much, which is most people. And then laying in the weeds are still the hardcore political activists and climate activists, and they, uh, they won't be convinced by that at all. They'll come back right away. But
2: but even the average person, um, the average person that I've been talking to over the last, say, week and a half since this kind of this – virus has you know gone global Uh the the stories that they've brought up to me is uh china's satellite video of the factories to where there's you know there's not as much ozone pollution they bring up the venice which there's dolphins and fish now swimming in the canals and then they, they they'll bring up um Oh, what was the other one the other day? There was some other, oh, the pork belly one in, in where they tried to throw in the solar and wind farms into the stimulus bill where they're trying to give aid to. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was just yesterday. So I, I'm seeing different levels of green opportunism. And, you know, and I look at like the Venice thing, for example. I, I didn't know they used. Um, uh, gasoline motors in there. I thought they had gondolas and things like that. My thought was is that it was just the sheer human activity that kept the fish and the dolphins out of the canal, and had nothing to do with you know petroleum or hydrocarbons. I was going to say fossil fuel, but I, I don't want to say that anymore. I'm going to say hydrocarbons now. Um, yeah, good man. But you know what I mean. It just seems like there's there's like three or four different angles that there's green opportunism used in this pandemic in this scare in this you know whatever direction yep. somebody wants to take with that i don't want to make light of it but at the same time i do want to point out that you brought up a great point early on which is the awareness that has been created for the need of the supply chain with oil and gas and i haven't had anybody talk to me about that till you right now anyway oh,
4: yeah well uh and, and it's it's a good point and there are, there are good uh, messages that come out of this and the, the the canals in venice is a good thing and 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 uh, i think it's a good thing to see actually
2: but i um, think that's more about human that, activity than petroleum
4: exactly exactly and that, that's that's the that's where this is illuminating is that people need to see that this is the result of all of this human activity all of the tourism all the people living the people moving around and everything else and that's just the way it is that that's they're, they're, the, the cities are cleaner in parts of the world where, uh, where where industry has been shut down, but that's the consequence. If you want to, if you want those clean skies with zero pollution, as we live now, that's what you have to have. You have to shut everything down. Is that what you want? So now, then, that's where I always try and make the argument. We have to come back to environmentalism is a good thing. We should be reducing our footprint, and, and if we could. It would be fantastic to have the same level of employment in Venice and the same level of activity and, and have clean water, too. So that's what we should strive for. But you don't you don't get there by just turning off the fuel caps because that's, that's just mayhem.
2: Well, another thing, too, is actually that we have been striving for all those things. I remember living yeah. out in California <laughs> where the smog was so bad you couldn't even see the, the mountains. Right. And, and right. you know what? They took care of that. I mean, they, they They took care of that. Yeah. Innovation has created so much clean and recycled opportunities. And us humans have seized many of those opportunities. Now, have we gotten gluttonous? Well, absolutely. It's one of the seven deadly sins to remind us that humans get gluttonous so much. And maybe we do need to not use the canal in Venice as much. And maybe, you know, may, you know, whatever it is, I don't know. And, is there, you know, I mean, I was even looking at um, just s- some of the uh, quotes from the Book of Revelations the other day. Boy, that's not, it, it, that's an eerie that's an eerie chapter of the book to read right now, let me tell you.
4: Yeah, coming well, home to root.
2: Well, all right, let me just read it for you here real quickly. Let's see, what is it? It's a Revelations 9.20. Okay, you ready for this? And the rest uh-huh. of men who were not killed by these plagues yet represented not the works of their hands yet they should not worship evil devils and idols of silver and gold and brass and stone and of wood and which ne- neither can be seen nor heard nor walk boy that's a little bit interesting isn't it during uh, the times yeah. of plague wow. don't worship false idols like the kardashians yeah don't don't get <laughs> caught up in the glamour and the glitz of the money and at the same time be careful what you can and see and cannot hear and that sort of thing we live in a world of snapchat filters and everything else man that's a very yeah, that's yeah. what i mean that's that was i had to look that up because i used to teach sunday school and i have read the bible a couple times so there are some uh-huh. things that well, anyway go ahead
4: yeah yeah well you know that's one thing that's i wouldn't say and i, I hate to keep saying that there's good things that are coming out of one really cool thing that's coming out of it is um there was an example downtown in calgary here there's a a company in one of the big office towers and they were, um, there's a, there's a coffee shop at the bottom, uh, bottom, the street level. And the coffee shop was like almost going out of business cause there's no more customers cause there's no more people downtown. And so one of the companies in their tower went downstairs and they bought $10,000 worth of prepaid gift cards, um, for that coffee shop. Uh, even though the, the shop had to close up, they said, we'll be back when you're back, but you need to pay your rent, you need to pay your utilities. We want to keep you alive. Um, and then w- when everything's back to normal, then we'll come collect. <laughs> and that's just one of the best things ever. And that's what, then I did a post about that and put up LinkedIn and I tracked down my favorite coffee shop and I bought a gift card. And I said, like, everybody, let's get out there and do this. Let's support small business, let's do what you can. There are things you can do to that are exactly in line with what you're saying. Stop worshipping the the silly things and let's just focus on what we can do here to make things better. And um, um, there are efforts that people can make and I think that's one of the rays of light that will get everybody through this thing is that maybe there's some good elements to society. People are supporting food banks more because they can see where there's going to be demand for that coming. And um, uh, so I think that there's, uh, there's definitely uh maybe there'll be um parts of humanity that will rise to the surface more than we'd expected like in times of crisis anywhere where people actually stop and help each other and they worry about seniors now and they worry about uh people that can't get out for groceries and that sort of thing so maybe some good will come out of it some awareness yeah I think... too, maybe people will wake up and go okay well if i want to reduce my footprint here's what it means to reduce my footprint we don't turn off our fuel supply cause that's just stupid, but maybe I can do things a little cleaner or whatever. So,
2: so what is industry making it making of this up there? I mean, are, are they pretty much mirroring the United States and, and, and everywhere else? Is there extra restrictions because of the Canadian government that needs to be put in? Or is it mostly, Hey, the field workers are working in the field and the office workers are working from home.
4: <laughs> that's about the size of it. I think, yeah, there's uh, the the there's the crack the biggest crackdown is just to limit human interaction now it seems like so so whatever that entails you're right the farmers are are um they, they will be out in the fields before too long hopefully and and they're out there by themselves and thank god for that that they'll keep chugging away um but even in the mountains here um we, i went out to the mountains the last weekend and they're saying like please don't come out to the mountains because there's we don't need p- too many people coming out here to hang around but for crying out loud, it's the mountains. <laughs> there's not another person for two square miles when you're out on a hiking trail. So I wasn't overly concerned that I was hurting anything, and, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, to get back to that topic that if we, if there's a if we do have the lockdown, we can come out of it like China quickly. Here, we we do have we don't have the same authoritarianism as China, where they don't have the same respect for for especially up here people tend to um, just get away with a lot of stuff and in China they wouldn't get away with that same sort of thing it's like Russia <laughs> and um,
2: I was and, just and, having that, that for the benefit. I was talking to my old uh, my, my old talk radio news buddy he, he still works for the news station I used to work for and we were just talking about this a little bit and and I brought that up about China I said you know I, I, I suppose China's now in the benchmark at two months you know two months of quarantine <laughs> and now they're back at it I said but after watching that demonstration they did at the Olympics a few years ago, boy, they were so lock, stock, and barrel. I don't know if any country's as disciplined as they are. I mean, I, here in the U.S., man, people are looking at going out next week already. They're tired. They're cabin fever. Yeah. They've they've already been in. I mean, and so China does have a different respect for authority. No question about it. And Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be different to see how, how it works out in the United States because – Well, like I was talking to some energy companies and, you know, as long as they work a certain distance and do other things, they're still trying to make it work within the same guidelines of the CDC and everything else along those lines. Right. Um, Are you seeing that in Canada? I mean, uh, when I, you know, the guys are still going out and and they're still uh, the ones who have jobs and and have work up there. Are are they, they're, they're still... Being able to do it, and is it construction still going on? Because it's a similar type of an industry. um They just started right, shutting down some construction crews in, in my town here in North Dakota. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, on yeah, some projects. Just
4: the, uh, mm, um, I think the bigger infrastructure projects, to the extent that anything is happening in ca- in Canada, but there there are things going on. Like there's some a big. uh Uh, road or highway project being built in calgary here and they're they're still going with that sort of thing so they are trying to keep bigger infrastructure things going um kind of the the, the essential
2: ones essential ones if you will
4: yeah yeah And, and i think if you can if you can segregate people enough so that they are working like if you're driving around in a big piece of equipment um it's you can you can instruct these people not to um have any interactions maybe you don't have your morning coffee with the with the eight other guys but you can still go ride around all day on a big caterpillar um that that that's keeping money flowing through the economy too so i think that's that's the balancing act which i think that um governments have wrestled with here it, and it, it's uh i mean i i do I, i'm hard on politicians but this, this whole uh dictate has been driven by the medical profession and they're doing what they are trained to do which is to make the best of a pandemic situation and they're saying look if you want it if you want to control it this is what it takes and they've been kind of given the full authority to to do things and they're not economists and they're not uh, um, they're they're not used to running uh, businesses or anything like that but they're doing their job so it's that's the job of politicians and that's like why I said like we need real leadership here to be able to properly balance these things you need somebody that can step in and say, OK, if someone is driving a delivery truck by themselves all day and they're not having any interaction with humans, then that could be OK. And then that keeps one leg of the economy going and, and all these sorts of things. Um, the blanket shutdowns, I understand why they're doing them, but I, but hopefully we'll start coming up with some some plans where we can say, OK, this is not a risk or, or, or maybe we come up with testing kits and these people can be tested every day or something. And I don't know it's a it's it's a very tough problem and so
2: how about your company that you work for i know you do you know you author of the end of the fossil fuel insanity available on amazon and also yep. public energy number 1 for your blog uh you also write for the yep. boe report but um you know your natural gas job as well don't aren't you involved with the natural gas business too i
4: i am i work for a little company with about 20 people and so we've been uh so our operations are still going out in the in the field, and they just had a conference call today. And we're um, we're pairing everything back just for budgetary reasons. But, uh, but like our our operators in the field, that we just um, they used to have a morning meeting, and now they just don't have that morning meeting anymore. So they just come from 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 their home and they head out into the field and they start looking at wells and whatnot, and just have limited human interaction. And so they're, they're still carrying on. It's just a changed um, environment a little bit, and and. Uh, st- their workday looks a little different. For us downtowners, the um, there's about 20 or 25 of us, and we're just all working from home. We just use video conferencing and whatnot. It's not quite the same. It's um, well, there's too many distractions at home, like the fridge and whatever else in the garage, and <laughs> 50 things I could be doing. But um, it works, and uh, it's, it's pro- I'm probably about 80% as productive, probably. Um, so we can get by and it's just we just have to change the way we do things a little bit, but but uh we, we can get it done. So
2: How about yeah. your guys out in the field that used to have the morning meetings? Are are they utilizing like a FaceTime or Zoom or any sort of uh Skype, you know what I mean, as far as a video type of a thing? I, I I'm I'm not even I mean, I suppose Zoom is the one where you can have multiples and FaceTimes and Skype yeah. I think are are just singular, but are, are they doing any think, of those yeah. uh, conferencing or having sort of audio meetings or anything like that? Are they keeping the communication going, I guess?
4: They're, they're keeping the communication going, for sure, for sure. And it's, um, they can, um, uh, well, you could you could even have meetings. Like I know some people that have met with uh, like three or four half-ton trucks <laughs> pulling up and parking close to each other and just talk out the windows. And It's still a meeting. Maybe you don't go in the office and have coffee or something, but you can still find ways to do it um it's microsoft teams we everyone has on their machine now which is pretty neat software and everybody can link in and and have a video connection too and when the more you speak the more you're you're it's like a little grid of of uh, images and um you, you show up depending on if you speak or not so on other people's screen so it's kind of cool technology and everybody's kind of getting used to that so uh one of my friends said that it's ironic that they they're having a, they're all working from home for another small company and um Uh, She said that she she rarely goes down to the other end, to the operations uh, uh, end of the floor. And she she speaks to those people more now that she's at home than she did before (laughs) through the video conferencing. So uh, it's just one of those weird things. But we're very fortunate that we can uh, still have a functioning business. And not to toot our horn here, but the the whole world is fortunate that the energy business is not shutting down because of this. Because Lord knows what that would look like.
2: Do you want to give your natural gas company a plug?
4: Oh it's called outlier resources. We're small and private so there's nobody can really help us. <laughs> but thanks anyway, so we're we're, we're owned by our uh, all the people in our office, not, not me very much but uh, there we have some of our,
2: wait, our, wait, our no. founders
4: own the company too. so, yeah. I've, I, so I have never or, done
2: a, an advertisement. I have never done a plug. And keep in mind, folks, Mister Terry Edom is not paying for this one cent, so he's he's getting nope. every penny uh, out of this plug right here. So, how can people not Thank help you, make make you money? How can people not help you?
4: <laughs> oh well, we don't have any external investors, and uh, we just we put our gas into the line, and somebody used it on the other end. So that's about the end of it.
2: That's so funny. Hey, you got to give your business a plug. God, nobody can help us. We're a small company. <laughs> unfortunately there's we're a lot of people in america saying that same thing for different reasons but um, yeah that's true that's true you know it actually we the, the one thing that my my friend and i talked about uh the news guy and this is you know getting back to some serious stuff and getting back to supporting your local business and and that sort of thing no i get it you're you're you're, you're part of a supply chain so i understand what you're talking right, about right. but uh but uh, it was just funny the way oh no we're small nobody can help us he my my buddy brought up a good point about restaurants because today is I think national carry out day or take home day or something like that. They're encouraging people to get takeout. And so those people oh, listening, yeah, yeah. You, you get takeout today or tomorrow. And I did worry about this fad because you know as well as I do that there is a part of going to the restaurant is sitting in the restaurant. It's part of the ambiance. And mm-hmm. when you got to start ordering it takeout, is. well, that, that that people don't do it every night for a reason and so my, my buddy brought up a good point he said you know honestly about 25% of the restaurants that are closed right now probably won't open back up again and that hit me pretty hard because I know yeah. a lot of small business owners that will they'll probably do that just to not even it's a lot of work to own a restaurant a lot of work and and I feel sorry for those guys and that's why we tried every day doing one meal at least one meal and even that slowed down now in the you know second third week. But mm, mm-hmm. anyway, I just wanted to yeah, know your thoughts about that when it comes to like you know restaurants are the first line of defense. They're the ones who got hit right away out of the gate.
4: Yep, and we're um, we work my family and I are working hard to support them. <laughs> we're doing the takeouts a lot, and uh, we have a service called Skip the Dishes up here. You probably have something that or similar, where they're just a delivery service that um, restaurants sign up for. And, and uh, they just make the delivery thing more efficient, rather than every company, every restaurant having to have their own delivery guy. Anyway, so they're they're doing very well. I think um, they see, and they even they can even go to McDonald's and that sort of thing. So, um, but I, I am happy to see that in a sense. It, it's I wrote about it in one blog. I it said it's a lot of people are finding benefits in cooking at home with their family and they're they're bonding together as family units, which is good. But at the same time you do cook and eat 21 meals a week. So at some point you just say, I don't, I don't want to cook with you anymore. And I'm going to, and, and so I think that's uh it's a balancing act, but it's, and it, but it, it does help. And if we, it, it's going to be the saddest thing if we pull through this. And like you say, if there's a whole uh, whack of restaurants gone that aren't going to come back, that would be just the, the saddest thing for, for everyone, for, the, for the fabric of the community and for the people themselves that have lost their business. So, so, yeah, every everyone out there, if you have a small business that you that you like and you want to see survive, just um, track them down. Like my, I mentioned, my favorite coffee shop, they're closed up, but I went to their website and I found an email address and I said, hey, I want to buy a gift card for, and I'll use it up as soon as you open. And, and I encourage everyone out there to do the same thing. If you've got a small business that you want to see, stick around and find their owner somehow online and just say, here, let me – I'll buy something for you, and I'll pick it up next month or whatever. If you can, if you're lucky enough to be employed. So,
2: I thought about. Going. Um, I thought about shaving my head and then sending my uh, the gal who cuts my hair a check for what I'd normally pay her. You know. <laughs> well, I honestly, I thought, I thought, well, the hairstylists they can't cut hair either, so. <laughs> well,
4: exactly. Well, and that that that's, that, whole, that's another industry
2: that relies on that day-to-day cash. You know what I mean? They, yeah. 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 And, so, and,
4: and do you want to see her go to business and all of her and you then you will be stuck with you and your clippers so
2: I actually so thought that, somebody
4: that like that you
2: can, I did think that could right? go viral in terms of if you'd made it you know like one of the ice bucket yeah. challenges do the shaved head challenge or you shave your head and send your you know your s- send your barber yeah. or your your beautician. You know and for girls go natural go natural with your hair color cuz that's what you you know <laughs> think of all the all the husbands right now that are finding out what color their hair their wife's hair is <laughs> I mean, boy, all kinds of secrets coming out, boy. <laughs> oh yeah, you are got ideas. Yeah. Oh yeah, people looking at their Visa bills and all kinds of different people, extra time on their hands right now. <laughs> the craziest stuff's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, but well, how can people support you and get you some money during this time? You, I know that you are right, and you're a oh, blogger, you're right, right? so you know, get, give yourself a plug for those different out, outlets oh. that people can support you.
4: Well, sure if they if they the best thing for me and for them I'll point out is if they go pick up my book The End of Fossil Fuel Insanity it's on it's on amazon.com and barnes and noble and um, a lot of people love it I've had great reviews and you can check out the reviews yourself there's more reviews at on amazon.ca but there's a bunch in the states too and people have been finding great value from it from across the spectrum they said hey I've learned a lot of, about this and um, I think uh, they have a better feel for the energy world and why we got to the place that we're at, and I, I didn't write the book just to um, just to say rah 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 oil and gas. I said no. Here's here's how we got here. There's there's warts on the past for sure, and uh, but it's an, an industry that's always striving to improve itself, and the world cannot live without it, not even close, and not for a very long time. And the sooner people realize that, the better off we'll be. But that doesn't mean we can't do better. We can't. We can lessen pollution. We can make things better. We can. We can write longs where we can, and we can just do a better job all around. And so that's what the book is about. So if you're sitting there, bored out of your head, just go order a copy or two or three.
0: To listen to the full length interview, visit crudelife.com. But
1: now I'm back at the bar again, hanging out with all my rowdy friends, getting drunk and singing redneck songs. I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long. The Crude
0: Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the
3: first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking the Davis refinery cold
1: whiskey glass hanging out with friends and having a glass my mom and dad think it's a waste of time not anymore drinking beer and riding redneck rhymes I think I'll do it just as long as I can that's why I'm back at the bar again
2: And that's going to do it for today's The Crude Life podcast. I'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and joining us here today. And I'd also like to thank Terry Edom for coming on today's program. Coming up on our daily radio show update on the podcast, Brandon Davis from Swan Energy is going to explain why retail will be first hit hard and why social media is going to be more overloaded than ever and he's kind of excited too to see what happens and what the future brings so coming up in just a moment brandon davis with swan energy our headlines are available at the crudelife.com as well our march madness tournament is going on who will win march madness the brackets are up and running go to the and you can check out the video action of the games as well as who's winning and who's losing. Last weekend, two number one seeds went down to nine seeds, so the open field is there. I think we got a 13 seed in the Sweet 16. Woo, doggie, March Madness, the crude life, it's happening. Also, our sponsor today, Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Thank you very much for being a sponsor and allowing us to keep our lights on so we can tell people exactly how those lights are turned on because it's not just the flick of a switch it is the hard-working men and women out in the field like absolute energy field products and services they are an engineering design and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment and refining and refining petrochemical equipment as well they manufacture the equipment with the highest standards per asme boiler and pressure vessel code Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. For more information, go to absoluteenergyfield.com. That's absoluteenergyfield.com. Also like to thank Hatch Coaching for being our sponsor for our studio. Our phone line sponsor is the Bakken Barbecue. In fact, we're gonna join Brandon Davis on our daily radio update on the podcast in just a moment or two on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. And Blind Joe, our crude life music crossover thank you blind joe for supporting the industry and industry we're asking you to support blind joe we've got links at our website if you'd like to check out his music and then you can even buy his music too that's how he makes money so what the heck folks he's supporting us let's support him symbiotic i'd rather have the music industry promoting us than protesting us all right that's going to do it for the crude life podcast today for provolone and the rest of the Crude Life podcast staff. My name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Brandon Davis of Swan Energy. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Brandon Davis of Swan Energy right here on the Crude Life Daily Update.
0: My bread and butter, my... My, the love of my life is the DJ Basin and the Wattenberg field proper. Um, it has been very good to me, and we've had a lot of a lot of a lot of good things happen up there. And uh, from an economic standpoint, until the last week, um, those wells still looked amazing, and they still don't look horrible. I mean, I I've, they've made so much progress up there as far as the 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 way that they're drilling the wells, the way they're completing the wells, and how much they're getting out of them. And I off the cuff back of the napkin in my viewpoints usually 50,000 feet 5,000 feet way too close um, but they've cut the cost of the wells down by 66% and they've increased production by 25 to 35% um, and it's just phenomenal the economics are phenomenal so I'm sure if prices stay where they are um, they will continue to find ways to improve those wells and make them economic because it's just that given asset and that that has been our wheelhouse for the better part of eight years, um, and we continue and plan to continue to participate in, in non-operated wells there.
2: So when you say DJ Basin, automatically you know the word Denver's in there, right? So I I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think of Colorado right right away, but but really the DJ is is more of Wyoming, Nebraska, and Kansas, isn't it?
0: It's a, it's a lot in Kansas, um, or and especially in in uh, Wyoming. And just a little bit in Colorado, but the part of it that's in Colorado, which is in Weld County, which is now its own, has its own oil and gas uh, governance separate from the state, um, is where most of our focus has been. And it's still, yeah, it's a little scary that it's in Colorado, just based on things that have happened there in the last few years politically. Um, But it's all worked out, and it's just kind of continued to move in the right direction. The main thing Swan Energy does is raise money to drill wells. And that's our primary focus. And we do a lot of that. Um, and then we manage about 60 different entities that we formed over the years that do different things. And and some of the, um, everything I've mentioned is part of that group. Um, so, uh, we have a pretty strong management team and we are able to move quickly in, in whichever direction we decide to go. Um, as a company, we, uh, once started a We started our trucking company in less than 12 days.
2: To listen to the full-length interview with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Keep up to date with industry news, exclusive interviews, and a podcast heard every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
0: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by
3: Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. If you don't
1: hear a federal horse a steel Guitar. The hillbilly sang about a honky tonk bar. The bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough. Brother, it ain't country, no. If it don't tug at your heartstrings and tear at your soul, get you up and dance and go and out of control. You hear it on the radio and don't turn it up. And brother, it ain't country, no. If you can't move to it, groove to it up and slam some booze to it party to it all night long if it ain't about whiskey sipping guitar picking tractors trailers trucks or prison man it ain't a country song i'd like them real cool old school barstool jams all drinking lime laughter and love so if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts a rocking, then brother it ain't country enough If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day It's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way Charlie Daniels wouldn't dig it, Manhang Jr. would say it sucks And brother, it ain't country enough If instead of using English you use foreign words Win a competition that you didn't deserve Some fur coat wearing wannabes producing your stuff And brother, you ain't country enough if you can't move to it groove to it up and slam some boots to it party to it all night long if it ain't about whiskey sipping guitar picking tractors trailers trucks or prison man it ain't a country song i'd like them real cool old school bar stool jams about drinking lying laughter love. so if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts to rocking brother in ain't country enough yeah, if your feet ain't jumping once a band starts rocking, brother, it, country
2: it seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say.
3: To see Eric Hatch grow. His business and then start to share it with other people, I think, is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now
2: to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701 212 1572 or visit CoachingWithHatch.com. That's CoachingWithHatch.com.
0: The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review on Friday.